when you get to the forests up in Washington, they're so dense, so remote, people don't go to them. We're talking about mysteries around Mount Shasta going back before things were being recorded on this, like easily in the 18, in the 1800s, as soon as people settled there in that area, strange stuff right away. I mean, this creature that they saw could have literally got do. popped into the, our dimensions. Like, what the heck am I doing here and crashing into some trees? And they're like, it's a demon coming to kill us. You know, and this guy's going, how do I get out of here? And if you thought Bigfoot stories were weird, we're about to get into a little thing called the Bat Squatch. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Metaphysical Podcast for a continuation of our deep dive into Mount Shasta, the lost civilization of Lemuria, and the really strange phenomena that came up when we started to dive deeper into all of this history. In the Mount Shasta area, we found something that was a huge red flag. Everyone from regular locals to experienced sheriffs to teenagers camping in the woods regularly report seeing creatures like Bigfoot and enormous winged beings, if you can believe that. If you thought it just makes a good campfire story, a lot of these people either held onto their stories for fear of being ridiculed, or they're so used to seeing things that they talk about it like I talk about the weather, which if you watch our last episode might prove that a cloud isn't necessarily always a cloud. Are you listening to the Metaphysical Podcast or watching us on a video platform? If you are, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It's going to help us reach more people and make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're watching us. Between John Vivanco's remote viewing data and personal experiences hiking around Mount Shasta, coming upon strange structures, to my investigative research into creature sightings in the past, you're really in for a show that's out of this world. Bigfoot has been seen on Mount Shasta a whole lot. The Native Americans even have a name for Bigfoot. I can't recall it right now. Um, so, yeah, in, in 1987, a researcher named Brian Wallenstein saw a family of Yeti emerge from an abandoned cabin on the mountain. He said a reversal of gravity on one grade often pulls his Subaru uphill. And he's also watched UFOs head into the mountain. Now, this yeah. sounds very similar to the, the mystery spot, the, the spots right. that you and I have covered before. Yeah, this is the same phenomena. Um, I mean, I'm not, I haven't been to that area. Mm. Uh, it's definitely an area to check out. Um, I just always wonder at how much of an optical illusion they are versus something truly happening. Because I think you need to take readings using various equipment to truly know if you've got anything there. You're, you're talking about the gravity stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very interesting, though. Uh, sounds really similar to some other things. You've kind of, have you had any experiences with encountering anything while you were on the mountain, you know, like in terms of Bigfoot or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Bigfoot, but I've seen a lot of what can be construed as evidence of Bigfoot. I mean, I go out into the forest quite a bit. And so when you understand the forest, you understand deadfall patterns and you really pay attention to things um, and you spend a lot of time out there, you can begin to understand when there is something put there versus deadfall. One thing that also happens um, 
when you come into these locations, it's kind of like the, when we were speaking uh, earlier about the, the fog coming in, how all of a sudden the atmosphere changes, um, where you're walking through a forest, it's bright and sunny, and then out of nowhere, it just feels like you stepped into some weird, like um, Hansel and Gretel German forest, and it's closing in around you, and things are watching you, and the atmosphere darkens even though it's still light out like literally like it, it 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 looks like and feels like the atmosphere is darkening and coming in around you and it feels like you are walking into something that is very dark even though like it's Mer not like murkwood from lord of the rings yeah absolutely and and then you can go back to that same location and that whole vibration is gone totally 100% gone or it can or it can like disappear in a moment. So in those times when I've been in forests like that where that starts to happen, I typically will find aberrant deadfall patterns. <laughs> what does words, aberrant deadfall patterns mean for everyone? In other at words, home? deadfall that's not deadfall. People would call it deadfall, but it's not that because you would have like you would see these structures where you have a tree and the root ball has been lifted up the tree and then stuck into the crook of another tree. Some of them. So you'll find it like that, like trees upside down and put into the crook of another tree. That doesn't happen. It does not happen. Okay. And Right. Okay. And deadfall is basically just normal, just the normal happening over or stuff falling from trees, stuff like that. So most people go through the forest and they don't, they don't understand that what they're looking at is not deadfall. They wouldn't even recognize, they wouldn't even be paying attention to it. But if you're paying attention, you will see that a lot of, there's a lot of these types of structures in the forest where you have a lot of Bigfoot sightings. And we're talking intelligently built structures spend a little time and you see that they are actually built and they're meant as messages as territorial markers and and stuff like that and those are the forests that i've found they turn into um the whole like hansel and gretel german forest when the bigfoot are near it's like it's like it could be some type of infrasound that they're projecting out if you ever heard of bigfoot making a sound that hits us vibrationally we can't hear it but it affects us and, and causes our consciousness to perceive things maybe in a way that is not reality and scare us out of that forest, right? Because so it's a almost territorial like a creature. Almost as like a protective measure, like they're protecting their territory. They'd like right. you to leave that area so that they can keep doing whatever they're doing. Right, right. So there was this one area in the forest where there were a ton of structures. I saw there were tons of structures. I mean, they were like... Some of them were, were pretty intricate and really nice designs where you had X's and then built off of the X's were other like big logs propped on top. We're talking in the middle of nowhere. People don't go there. When I was looking around like areas where these structures are, there was no big pieces of wood on the ground or anything. It's like they took them all and they used them. But I saw this, this mark in the ground. Okay. So at one point, like there was this one hill where there was a bunch of pieces of wood. And I saw this mark in the ground that was like somebody was dragging a piece of wood. 
all through the forest because it was like they were carrying it and dragging it. Like one end was dragging. So it was causing a, a gouge in the ground. And I'm like, wow, this is strange. So I followed this mark probably like a half a mile or so until I got to a location where it was put on a structure. And it was a massive log that a human would literally have immense trouble even moving, like lifting. Yeah, you, they'd have to use machinery and you'd see traction. You'd have to machinery. use machinery. But, but literally this thing was picked up and dragged for a half a mile or so to put on one of these structures because there wasn't enough wood around where the structures were being built. Um, so they had to take it from further away. Uh, there was this other time where I was looking for JC Brown's cave, which we'll get into later. <laughs> yeah, we will. And so this is a very remote part of the forest where people don't go and way off trail. Like we're talking like nobody, I can't even imagine a human ever being in the location that I was because it was so far off trail. Humans usually stick to trails. <clears throat> so climbing this hill and at the top of this hill, there's this sort of flat area. I get to the top and there are like, like literally these little miniature structures made out of wood. Like we're talking about wood, like two feet long, like propped up, like X's created and then wood propped in between them and stuff like that. Little ones, little ones in this area. And then there were logs that were kind of fencing this area. On the forest floor was pine needles, just all pine needles. If you looked at the forest floor, the rocks, all the rocks had pine needles on top of them. All over them. Because they'd been there for a while. Sure. So what I found in this area, along with these little structures, were, were tons of river rocks, white river rocks, because there's a river far down below. And they had no pine needles on them. And they were arranged like in patterns on the ground, like connecting in lines, like making like these patterns all on the ground with no pine needles. And so for one thing, it was impossible for those rocks to be up there naturally. Another thing, it was impossible for those rocks to be in those patterns. And third, it was impossible for those rocks not to have pine needles on them. So it was relatively fresh. Someone had placed them there. So when we looked at it with remote viewing, like what was going on, it was literally a location where Bigfoot children, babies, would be kept while the Bigfoot parents, whatever, went out and did whatever they did. So it was like this Bigfoot nursery in the middle of a forested nowhere. Like, it was incredible. This is mind-blowing to be able to find this location, to even like come across this location. But you have to be aware of the patterns that happen in forests in order to understand what's natural and what's not natural. Well, and I wonder if this is really what separates man of old and modern man, which is they spent so much time out in nature and in right. the forest, they would know when something was natural and when something wasn't like you're right. talking about. Exactly. And, and I mean, we're talking about mysteries around Mount Shasta going back before things were being recorded on this, like easily in the 18, in the 1800s, as soon as people settled there in that area, strange stuff right away being recorded and talked about and who knows before. And we'll get into some of that time before uh, in, in some of these later episodes, because there's 
loads of evidence of, of, of different things happening around there. I mean, it hits every part of, I, I honestly like this rabbit hole doesn't end. And we probably just, we probably just hit like a fraction of the anomalies that are going on there, which is so interesting. You know, that's not all. I mean, we're talking about Bigfoot right now, and there's loads of sightings of Bigfoot, and the Native Americans called them the protector of the of the woods there. Um, who knows what else Bigfoot are protecting on that mountain? Obviously, if if we're seeing structures there, they're there. And, uh, you know, it is interesting, too, that their way of communication, it seems, is by these structures, these territorial structures that they use to communicate with one another. Yeah, it's, or, um, or it's like they have like like clans or family units and they have territories. That's what they use to communicate to others, uh, to other clans, to other um, uh, Bigfoot that come through their area. You, you, can, you can go through the forest and, and find these structures pretty much all over the place. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really a hotbed for Bigfoot in general. But, you know, anytime you do get to dense forested areas, it's like, that's what you're going to find. It's what you're going to find. But people don't understand how to read forests these days. Also, along with Bigfoot here, a local, this local sheriff that was talking to Kesha, Kesha said that there is a local highway known as the Bigfoot Scenic Byway, where they also have many missing people. It's actually called the Bigfoot Scenic Byway. That's now, crazy. Is, where is this? That would be like west. It's on the Klamath River. So it's west of Mount Shasta. Probably, I don't know, 50 miles maybe. Got it. The crow flies, something like that. So is it called that because there actually are tons of sightings of Bigfoot there? Or? Yeah, there's probably been an inordinate amount of Bigfoot sightings along that highway. So they're they're calling it that. It's like um, um, Skamania County in Washington State has a law that you cannot shoot a Bigfoot. Right? This is an, a legitimate law. It's a legitimate law. You cannot <sighs> shoot a Bigfoot law. I mean, people on the local level know what's going on. <laughs> And so they'll name things like, yeah, the Bigfoot scenic byway. They'll name things that or they'll make laws of what you, of, of what you cannot do to Bigfoot because local people know. And it sounds like the entire West Coast and the dense forests there just allow for more sightings of this. These types. Oh, of yeah. Things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like when you get to the forests up in Washington, they're so dense, so remote People don't go to them. Yeah. People just don't go recreate in them. And if they do, they're going to go, just go to a regular campsite. They don't go explore them. Lindsay, out of curiosity, how much of Washington state is forest versus populated areas? Do you think you could look that up for us? I'm just curious to know because it sounds like I'm just getting this imagery of, of Washington. Half of Washington is dense forest. You have the... Um... The eastern side and the western side and then also on the eastern side when you go north it gets more dense with forests but down on the southeast side of washington is pretty much like grassland desert um, and the cascades divide the trees like the desert from the forests and so not a, not a whole ton of people a lot less than california um 
And so there's a lot of room for these guys to roam. When you get to the Olympic Peninsula up in Washington State, now that is an area that's pretty supposedly very dense with Bigfoot. Wait, where is this? The Olympic Peninsula. In in Washington State. Washington State, yeah. How close yeah. is that to where you are, John? That is that is probably about four or five hours from me. Hmm. Might have to take a trip up there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you thought Bigfoot stories were weird, we're about to get into a little thing called the Bat Squatch. Yeah, Love that the name. Bat Squatch. <laughs> Not sure who coined that name, but you, sir, deserve an award. That was the reporter. The reporter from the Tacoma. I think it was the reporter. It was either the reporter or the kid that saw it initially in Washington State. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's back up a little bit. So yeah. the Bat Squatch was first seen in Washington State? As far as I know, yes. That's where the name was coined, at least. I mean, and, yeah. Well, I mean, what was the story? So I think it was Brian Canfield, who was going to a camp in the in Cascade Mountain Range near Mount Rainier. He was driving. It was in the evening. I think he was maybe 19 years old. Uh, 18, 19 years old. And I think it was about nine o'clock at night. He's driving on this dirt logging road in the forest to get to the camp. He is stopped in the middle of the road by this very large creature that appeared about nine feet tall, eight to nine feet tall, looked like a Sasquatch, except it had big bat wings. He was mesmerized by it. He felt like it, it, it was, it had this paranormal aspect to it because it literally shut off his car. Like his car died, like your typical UFO encounter. Like an EMF or something. Right, right, right. So it seemed to have this like paranormal aspect to it. Um, and it was just staring at him for, I don't know, about a minute or so. And then it flew off. Um, and I think it, 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 it literally took off as though it was like hovering, like much like the Mothman does. You know how the Mothman would just like lift its wings out and wouldn't even flap them. It would just start moving. You know, it would yeah. something similar to that. So that was Brian's story. And there was like this whole Tacoma newspaper article on it. So you can read that and get the details that I might be totally screwing up. <laughs> just so you know, um, but you can read the article on it. It's kind of an interesting article. And the reporter believed him. The reporter didn't make fun of it. The reporter believed him. But that's where the name Bat Squatch originally comes from, from that incident uh, in Washington. So what was this guy's name? Brian Canfield? Brian Canfield. Yeah, right. Well, so cheers, then, cheers to you, Brian Canfield, for naming Bat Squatch. <laughs> exactly. Then you have reports of people seeing the same thing around Mount St. Helens around the time that it blew mount st helens right. is in washington state as well another one yeah it's next to mount rainier so so people multiple people have have claimed to have seen the same thing around the time of the eruption and we had looked well, into the whole bat squatch thing because like you know it's so ridiculous it really makes people laugh or cringe when they hear that name bat squatch i mean look great. you know it's hard enough to for most people to even believe that that Sasquatch exists now turn Sasquatch into a bat and they just think you're you're just nuts totally mental right totally totally mental 
but you have a lot of reports. So for one thing, <laughs> yeah, like, here, you, here we are having reports of right. that watch. <laughs> right. So you got reports of this thing, multiple reports, and not just in Washington, but also down in, you know, Shasta. And you got to wonder, right? You got to wonder. So we remote viewed all this stuff. You know, we remote viewed like the reality of this. Like what did Brian Canfield experience? We also right. remote viewed, you know, like where are these things from? Because we got positive feedback in the data on it. Um, Brian Canfield having a real experience with a real creature, a real being. And we also have positive feedback in data on people actually seeing this thing flying around. In fact, like even near where I live, a person hits something like that on the freeway early in the morning. A big bat type Sasquatch what? creature landed in front of somebody's car on the freeway. These are remote free freeways, though, out where I live. And the guy hit him. And he looked back after he hit him because he stopped and the thing was just standing there undamaged and then flew away. And this is not, not that long ago. So, so, so we get all this like, okay, these are real stories. People are not making them up. The, the data describes this, this being, this creature um, that is very large, that is very Sasquatch, hairy, furry-like. They even, some of the data even describes the creature as being blue in color or having a bluish tinge to the fur, to the hair, just like in the original story, because Brian Canfield said that it, it, it appeared to be blue. And, and so when we were looking at where it came from, it literally, at least in the Washington state area, it literally was driven out of the lava tubes right around the time of the explosion of Mount St. Helens. And, and this being likely wouldn't have been seen that much, if at all, if Mount St. Helens hadn't have blown because the lava starting to move and come up through the tubes drove it out of, of where it preferred to be, which was in these underground caverns near heat. It really, it really liked the heat. But then on the other side of that, you have this aspect that's what it enjoys here in 3D physical reality. But another aspect of it, like all of these cryptids, when you get to these cryptids, is that it has the ability, knowledge, and know-how to exist in the in a different dimension or in that in-between space. Like the right? upside down or whatever. The upside down, exactly. So it's also got that going for it too, where it can slip away and hide. But you know, I think I think the the like the can is opened on Bat Squatch after after St. Helens blew. And I think that. You have these things now that are occasionally seen. You get to Mount Shasta and you've got what? You've got stories around that. Like it can't, comes from the lava tubes, most likely. If it's the same creature, we haven't viewed it. Well, okay. So that's what's so interesting here is yeah. near Shasta. This is an interesting uh, story that appeared on this website called Phantoms and Monsters. Okay. Now this was... a published in, I guess it was um, September of 2019 here. You know, the lake over near Mount Shasta is Lake uh, Siskiyou, I think it's called. Yeah, Siskiyou. Yeah, yeah, big one there. Okay, so yeah. So uh, the story is that, uh, that a guy goes camping in the woods with his friend, female, and around midnight they, they go for a swim because it was too hot to sleep. So it's pretty humid over there, I guess. And on the walk, uh, the trail was dark and humid. 
So they continue down the path. They pass through a grassy area where there was a mist hanging at about three or four feet over the ground. Another mist. Okay. This is weird. Um, which we haven't even gotten into Bram Stoker's Dracula yet, but it's like the mists in Bram Stoker's Dracula. The thing was like a bat squatch in that movie. Right. You know, like half bat, half man in one part. You remember that, right? Oh, there's so much. There it is. This like weird thing, you know? Uh, and then it turned like it's a beast. It's like some kind of beast thing. We we're just showing a, a, some footage of that for everybody who's was listening on podcast. Okay, so they continue down the pass. They pass through this grassy area where there's a mist hanging at about three or four feet over the ground, but nowhere else besides this one area. So his friend said something about it because it was so unusual to her. A little further ahead, something crashed high up in the trees above them. They were both startled by the sound of branches splitting and breaking. Whatever it was, was making quite a bit of noise, like something scram like scrambling to hide, basically. So when the guy looks up, he saw two large, glowing, yellow eyes looking down from high up in the tree, but the rest of, of its form was hidden in the branches. It turned away. There was another sound of crashing in the limbs, like something suddenly jumping or falling, uh, breaking more branches, but nothing hit the ground. So his friend wasn't looking up, but she heard and looked around. He didn't want to freak her out, so he didn't say anything. He thought maybe it was a mountain lion or a bear, but the weird eyes were just too much. They're so weird. Um, so about an hour later after the swim, they saw something again. They were sitting in the sand smoking when they heard a sound like huge wings flapping. They turned around really quick because, you know, if there's something behind you, you're going to turn around. They saw a large black bat-like form soar directly over them, flying about the same height as the tallest trees. The creature looked like a humanoid with bat-like wings about the size of a tall man. It was far too big to be any kind of owl or bird, and they were both so freaked out. They didn't go back into the woods again that night. The next day, the guy went back with a, another friend to get their tent, but his girlfriend wouldn't go back. I just am laughing because of like the videos that Lindsay's showing, what Lindsay's showing here is like humans go to the deepest, darkest, like, like imagery with this stuff because it's, it comes from the unknown. Right. And that's what I find funny. It, if something comes from the unknown that, that people are unaware of, it automatically, they make movies about it, of it being incredibly dark. And then, and then culture is trained to go to the most darkest thing possible about it. Unless, <laughs> so it laugh. unless I found a connection between Mount Shasta and Vlad the Impaler, which I did. Oh no, you're kidding me. <laughs> okay, so this is I'm be not revealing it here. We're going to wait until we can... a further episode when oh, we can delve into that. God. You know that because when we when we viewed the bat squatch, all the data we had on it was that it wasn't a menacing creature. Now I don't know what they 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 found in Mount Shasta there, um, but this this creature wasn't menacing. It was like no, it I wasn't like a it wasn't like eating humans and sucking yeah. their blood. It's literally like I mean this creature that they it's saw could have literally got, do. like popped into the, our dimensions like what the heck am i doing here and crashing into some trees and they're like it's a demon coming to kill us you know and this guy's going how do i get out of here you know 
yeah, that bat squatch was just like probably drank some bad river water and uh, right. you know, got sick for a second and crashed. Probably into drank some of that bat squatch beer and got sick. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's terrible. It is. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so anyway, he remembered people talking about three toed tracks up on Mount Shasta, but hadn't seen anything until this. And that's when he found other people's stories and sightings of flying creatures. So, this was just one. The whole Vlad the Impaler thing, I want to get into. We um, will. Because that gets weird when we remote viewed it. So, okay. Yeah. And yeah. We, we so will. Everyone I, stick around because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to get this the last episode in this series potentially is going to get really bizarre or or some of the episodes in this series yeah. we'll say yeah it's bram stoker yeah i keep saying stroker it's just like this like childish <laughs> thing of like what? i don't know i always thought his name was stroker not in a bad way <laughs> that wasn't my 11 year old self coming out that was innocently me just accidentally calling him that <laughs> Well, you guys, that's going to end this episode here. Uh, and in the next episode, we will be getting into all of the missing cases around Mount Shasta. And those stories get even weirder. So stick around for that. And we hope you thought this episode was as out of this world as we did. Mm -hmm.